Hello, and welcome to KRUI 89.7 Iowa City's alternative radio station. This is Bijou Banter. I'm Calvin Leslie. I'm Philip Runia. And I am Emily Stagman. And today we're going to be talking about two awesome films, at least in my opinion. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Lure, which played for Bijou Horizons last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about Joker, which is currently playing at Film Scene and pretty much everywhere on the planet. But you should come to it at Film Scene. Yes. Correct. All right. So let's start off with The Lure. What did you guys think of it? I loved it. <laughs> as soon as it started, I was like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this one. <laughs> um, I enjoy um, just kind of campier stuff anyways and especially with musicals i feel like it can be done really well which i think the lure accomplished it knew what it was doing and it knew it was going to be kind of funky and and bubbly and magical and also very dark at the same time but i don't think it overdid any of those things because it knew what it was doing yeah i'll be honest i didn't actually know that it was a musical until about five minutes before i went in i just knew that it was um mermaids and definitely messed up in some respects and so I was very jazzed and then I heard it was a musical and that just like bumped it up even more yeah I was really looking forward to it and it was it was different than I expected Uh, I'm still not sure if it was different in a way that I enjoyed or different so that I didn't enjoy it as much but I thought you expect I I was expecting it to be like it tried to ride a lot of lines for me. Like, it wasn't quite campy enough for me to, like, mm-hmm. be campy. And it w- wasn't quite horrifying enough to be horror. And it wasn't quite love story enough to be love story. So it kind of nestled itself into the awkward sort of middle for me, if that makes sense. Right. I kind of liked that it did that because um, just it, I think that fit pretty well with the narrative because the characters couldn't really decide what they wanted to be. Wow. Um, the one was like, she's like, oh, I want to eat people so bad, but I also <laughs> want to be a singer. I want to be a duo with my sister. And the other one's like, oh, like I want to be a duo with my sister, but also I'd give up singing to be with this boy. I just want to love him and all this stuff. I want legs. Yeah, I want legs. And neither of these two could figure out exactly which character they wanted to fit into um so i liked how it kind of bounced back and forth between that and nothing ever really turned out as they expected it to which i felt was um pretty in line with the movie itself i was very thrown off at a lot of different points in the movie yeah also because i forgot again um (laughs) the lure is a polish (laughs) film About two mermaids who get hired to work in a strip club, and that's really the majority of the film. Yeah. It's better than it sounds. That We'll call it a cabaret club. Yeah. It's like a burlesque. It's a whole song and dance and also boobies. Yeah. Yeah. Although, one thing that I found endlessly confusing was everybody was saying how young they were. And, like, complaining about it, especially at the beginning. And then, at the like, they still got hired to work there, despite not being allowed in, really. Right. I think it was solely because of the gimmick um, of them being mermaids. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that perhaps because they were a different species, maybe they got around the rules that way. <laughs> Who knows? 
But yeah, I don't ever think it says their age. No. No, they, like, that was one sticking point for me, too, was that, like, there were all these complaints about, like, how young they were, and they they look like, I don't know, 19 at yeah. the most, I feel like. And then, but no one had any complaints when they were, like, entirely naked in front of everyone. Yeah. And also, I guess just to play into the fantasy aspect, like, they could be hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. Because technically, aren't they vampires too? Con- they're more like OG mermaids. Okay, like it's that makes sense. Yeah. like sirens. Kind mm. of got you. That okay. first song, by the way, so good. The first one at the like where where they're singing in the water. Is that the oh, first right. song? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're trying to get the guys to come into the water. Yeah, like that. That, that definitely set a way different tone for the film than came later. But I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't really like how the um, a lot of the narrative kind of skips, so I really wanted to know how they got out of the water initially, what happened with those guys and the woman that was screaming, the woman that was supposed to be like their mom or something, or becomes like their adoptive mom. Well, and then later it shows that mom with like a mermaid tail and everything, and so at the very end, I was expecting her to get in the water with the remaining sister and just Leave. swim away and do mermaid things. Right. But I think that whole moment was a little confusing for me, but I think that was more like symbolic. I don't think she was an actual mermaid. It was just showing that she's taking care of them. Yeah. They can rely on Mother her. figure. Yeah. In the most explicit breastfeedy type way that <laughs> could ever possibly be. Right. <laughs> I don't like that. As an adjective. Breastfeedy? Mm. It's not great. <laughs> it was weird. It's not great. It's incredible. At first I thought they were eating her, um, that they had turned against her and were like eating her alive or something, mm-hmm. but then the camera zoomed out and I was like, oh, this is very different <laughs> than what I thought it was going to be, but hey, what did you guys think about the ending? I actually thought the ending was my favorite part. Really? I I didn't like how it followed, like, you know, the Little Mermaid story too much, you know? I, I Elaborate. Felt like they definitely could have done something different with that. I liked how they brought in the sister as kind of like a more of a complex character and mm. it confused the situation more. Um, and then the prince ends up, prince or well, quote unquote, singer dude ends up dying because the sister kills him um, out of frustration or... Mm-hmm. Um, anger or whatever, uh, revenge. I don't know, but all of the above. Yeah, and then she gets away. But I didn't really like how the um, the other sister just ended up being like, "No, I can't kill him. I can't do it." Like it just kind of followed exactly what you'd expect. And I definitely think they should have done something else. I I think it was expected, but it was still really fulfilling to see it happen. If oh, only because. Thing. Yeah, well, that and just, like, I feel like the entire time the um, the darker-haired sister, Golden, um, she, like, spends almost the entire time, like, angry at this guy. And so it, it's just sort of, like, that final piece of revenge, like, mm, She finally gets heart. to eat him. Yeah. That's right, because she, she does resent him throughout the entire movie. That makes sense, I it, guess. It's a classic sister-sister story. Everyone, everyone wants to eat. Their sister's boyfriend's heart. 
Everyone can relate. Like, I must murder you. <laughs> right. And I really like that moment just because I feel like that's sort of like the ultimate betrayal of her sister in like a really cool way. And I feel like without that moment, I like, A, I wouldn't have picked up on The Little Mermaid just because I'm dull when it comes to that stuff. And also, like, I realized that throughout, like, the whole film, like, there's just this constant betrayal of, like, everybody all the time. Right. I like that a lot. I don't know. I like that moment. I thought that's where the film shined. Well, what was your favorite moment? That's kind of like a big, that's a big, like, circle of betrayal right there in that moment, too, now that you're pointing out betrayal, because the man betrays um, uh, Silver. Mm. Um, and throwing away her scale and which I'm not sure like that was weird for me but like, um, she but, she has scales all over her body but this is the only one mm-hmm. I, I was wondering if that was like signifying like the mermaid wish myth I guess mm. like she was giving him like a bright future or something um, even though it didn't end up being with her but yeah the whole um, just the interwoven betrayals like in that scene with the the man marrying someone else and then her kind of betraying herself in a way by Mm. um or betraying her sister in a way by not eating him and then the other sister betraying her after she's dead by killing him but what is your favorite moment of betrayal Hmm. i i really do like that last part although um that it isn't betra- I guess it's kind of betrayal like towards her roots when she like pulls a scale off of herself to give to him as like a wish slash just a guitar pick like I like that little detail that it was yeah. like a guitar pick um that was interesting just because like that's the first moment where you really get that she's rejecting her own kind as a mermaid and she's like desperately wants to not be a mermaid and i thought that was really interesting and like this seed that sprouted a lot later too i guess my favorite moment of betrayal would be when um silver and i guess the entire family finds out that golden has murdered whoever on the Mm. beach um and i liked one thing that i want to point out i liked how they point that it said that the um the tracks were reptilian. <laughs> like she just looked so like smug in that scene. I thought it was great. But um, she gets up to leave. She's like, "I'm gonna go get some uh, some water or something." And then uh, Silver follows her into the kitchen area or whatever. And then they have that little showdown where they're growling at each other and kind of snarling. And you end up seeing that Silver is actually m- more of the dominant sister. She's not the evil one, but she's definitely the one that's more in control and she kind of leverages um she's been leveraging things over golden throughout most of the film already like she says if you don't stop doing these things i'm going to leave you here i'm going to abandon you or if you don't do these things like in this scene she's like i'm going to kick your butt Mm. (laughs) like i will beat you up if you don't stop eating these humans and so she throws her against this wall and then golden ends up calming her down by using a siren call maybe i don't even know or just invoking their sisterhood um and i thought that was a really sweet moment because there's all this betrayal rah 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 and then this huge showdown and then after all they're still sisters and they still care about each other but then the family obviously feels different as they come in and 
try and murder them, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. And that was, yeah. So the little betrayal kind of gets resolved and then it leads into a huge betrayal with the family kind of trying to kill them and leave them for dead. Yeah. Hey, Drew, what was your favorite moment of betrayal in the lure? Uh, before I get into that, I would just I would just like to say that I'm pulling what we call a reverse Calvin, where I'm just here to say that uh, SVPAF at 6 p.m. on Mondays, tune in. <laughs> What's the movie? The Lure. The Lure. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, well, I especially liked when they caught that world, world record catfish. You're nailing it. <laughs> world record catfish. With their lure? With their lure. Okay. I feel like we just cut your mic. <laughs> we turned it down a little bit. Uh, Can you hear me now? Yes. Hello. I, I gotta say, my favorite moment of betrayal was when she bit the dad's thumb off. Oh, that was yeah. awesome. That was a great scene. <laughs> that was very good. Yeah. She's like, I'm not mad at all. <laughs> Another favorite moment. I feel like Golden was in most of my favorite moments. I just loved that character. Um, but... One of my favorite moments is when she's kind of going around flirting with the different guys in the club, and then she goes to follow the one that she's eventually going to murder, Mm -hmm. but uh, one of the band members, I think, comes up to her and is like, Silver, Silver, where are you going? And she's like, my name's Golden, and also, I love you, but don't tell anyone. And it's just like, so, she's so in, in control of herself, and that man takes it as a betrayal like he's like oh you're cheating on me you're you're not in love with me you should be in love with me and she's like oh but i am but i've got to go <laughs> bye and it was just so it's like so femme fatale i loved it i feel like golden kind of carried the whole movie for me same i i could not take my eyes off of her right the actor who i don't have in front of me but i can get <laughs> You don't have the actor right in front of you? I don't have their name right in front of me. That's messed up, man. I know. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, actually, I can get that name. Um, It's Michelina Olzanski. Excellent. And on that, we're going to take a quick break for a PSA, and then we'll be right back for more Bijou Banter on KRUI. Hello. My mic was still on. I apologize for that. (laughs) (laughs) We're historically really bad at that and i think we might just get worse one of these days i'm gonna figure out exactly what all the buttons do and when they all need to be pressed Uh, and on that day they're gonna get the new board absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and um i'm sorry i completely we were talking about betrayal and golden and Mm -hmm. how awesome golden was i feel like a lot of the other actors like just didn't quite match up there like especially silver like when was it was it the actors or was it the characters it's it's probably the characters yeah mm-hmm. i think the characters the other characters kind of i will say flat for me. that moment where the dad is like standing in the corner of the living room and just like drumming wildly like air drumming wildly sold me right <laughs> best part of the film hands down and that's right after um that's right after him and the mom have like this huge fight because she thinks that the dad is um, in love with the mermaids too. Yeah, because something and smells there's fishy. There's mermaids yeah, in this movie. Smells. Is yeah. that what the, is that what the lures are for? Are they no, fishing the for mermaids? No, the lure is is their song. The, the lure is like their oh, like act. the sirens. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm picking up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that moment after they, uh, after the dad and the mom have this huge fight, I like how that's kind of quickly resolved into this, this I don't know, fun dance scene, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden there's another like a crazy moment of betrayal. So I like how there's like crests and like falls of mm-hmm. these these moments of betrayal and then a family. I thought that was really cool. I will say I, I really loved the shot that I think comes pretty closely after that where like the mom, the dad, and the son are all in like the living room and the bedroom respectively and they all kind of just look like they're dead and it's like one really long take um, the lighting was really cool. It, it sort of made me think of like what we do in the shadows, kind of. Hmm. Um, I'm still not sure why. I, I would have to rewatch both of them, but like um, that was just a really interesting take for me. That scene confused me a lot actually, because <laughs> I'm not sure if Miss Muffet was killing them or reviving them, because obviously they were alive after the fact, but. Was she, I was confused as if she was getting like her revenge on the mermaids taking over the club mm. um, in that scene because she was singing about poison and all of this stuff or did the mermaids poison them and she was reviving them? I feel like she was poisoning them but in that surrealistic kind of poison way where they've been poisoned by like hatred or something because okay. that's right after they quote unquote kill the mermaids, yeah. right? Or poisoned by guilt maybe? Yeah. Mm. That poisoned by bad vibes, man. Yeah. That whole yes, true. I have to go to a meeting, but my two talking points were SVPF six six p.m. on Mondays, and also Calvin Grace says hi. Hi, Grace. Okay. Oh, and also, if you guys ever do one of these on the death of Stalin, I'll talk about it for hours. I gotta go now. Oh. All right. Godspeed. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> All right. That was Drew. Yeah. Um, Wish him the best of luck at his meeting. And that whole plot line where they almost kill the mermaids was really frustrating to me. Who's going to try and kill a mermaid by throwing them into a river? I know. First of all. Also, they just absolutely (laughs) ruined those nice carpets. Right. I was like, um... Like, there's so many things wrong with this, and I'm upset. I thought that was interesting how they tried to kill them, though, because if you think of... um, Okay, to kind of preface this, I was really intrigued by their tails Mm -hmm. because you kind of get like a spooky, they're so big, but you get like a spooky vibe from them because they're so spiky and they're almost Mm. eel-like. And eels are very dangerous creatures. Oh my God, you just reminded me of the sex scene. Oh, um, we'll get to that. Yuck. Um, But but they're very eel-like. And so that was really creepy. They all look slimy. But um, in their um, kind of... I don't know, they also reminded me of sharks in a way. And so when the man punches them both in the face at the same time, it reminded me of how um, they say, like, when you, you're getting attacked by a shark, <laughs> punch it in the gills, and it'll, like, not be able to breathe or something. It'll, like, kind of... I've never heard that. I've heard, like, punch it in the nose to disorient uh, it. Yeah, you boop the snoot and they go away. Boop the snoot. Mm. I thought <laughs> if you punched it in the gills, it wouldn't be able to breathe for a hot sec. Maybe. I mean, if you punch anyone in the gills. That's true. It just makes sense to me. But yeah, just he booped him on the nose. He booped their snoots. I I also really enjoyed um, the, 
I'm, I'm still not sure what he was supposed to be, but the punk rocker guy. Triton? Triton. Right. Yeah, I think he, he, was, um, he was a merman that had gotten rid of his tail, too. Yeah, and he also, like, had horns. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, though, this is, like, middle school me who, like, played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff. There were cards called it. Tritons. So I think they're, like, a different sort of species, like, tangentially related to mermaids. Mm. Mm. I don't know. That's all semantics. I'm sorry. Oh, this, this entire tangent was literally just to say that I really liked his gill tattoos. Yeah, those are cool. <laughs> Uh, that that's inspiration right there. Yeah, I liked how he kind of served as um, a father figure outside mm-hmm. of the the humans because he was giving them like mermaid advice. Well, but then he absolutely dunked on Golden's singing skills. Yeah, Ooh. which was which was crazy because um, all the humans are always like, oh my gosh, they're such good singers. They're amazing. No one's better than them. They're going to take the world by storm. Mermaids just can't do punk music, man. I guess. Or maybe it was because he was part of maybe the same species. Mm. He had different standards. He's like, <laughs> I've heard better. Yeah. I've heard better sirens. I thought I loved that scene where the two women were fighting over the mic. I thought that yeah. was very funny. <laughs> I felt that. that, that like, Get out of my way. I was invited. That's She's like, I already up, work here. Leave me alone. That straight up reminded me of like fighting with my own sister when I was young over a kaleidoscope, and like I got a black eye from that because <laughs> I was using the kaleidoscope because <laughs> that's just how it goes. But like, I, I feel like the characterization in these little moments like was really accurate and really cool to like actually see that shown. Yeah, and like the moment after they crawl out of the river from almost being dead, and like they both like. Did I hallucinate this, or they both ate a person, right? No? Um, um, yes, after they almost get murdered. Yeah. But Gold, or Silver hated it. She yeah. She did not enjoy... Yeah, she, like, put the heart down, like, right away. Yeah, she ate it, and then she threw it on the ground. It was, I think it was just solely to revive her mm. after their near-death experience, I guess. Um, And then she was... She almost seemed angry at Golden for, like, enjoying... Oh, yeah enjoying it do we do we ever get an explanation for like at the very beginning when he's like oh i just sprinkled water on them like i didn't hurt them like why are they like catatonic almost i feel like um maybe because they had been in and out of their true form mm-hmm. and but they hadn't they just been like submerged tired in water they hadn't been like breathing in water they had been in their mermaid form but they hadn't been like underwater mm. um so i thought that was probably the reason or I also felt like maybe um he had like put something that wasn't water on them. I don't know. Like He's like maybe wine will them, work. I, I don't know. Yeah, that I don't know, I felt like the beginning of this film was just a little bit sloppy. Mm. I mean it it's definitely like you have to introduce all of this world's logic like right away because it's like the whole plot and so i can see how it would be like super hard to execute that but i feel like there would be better ways Mm -hmm. but like did they really need at the beginning that guy to like i i'm not exactly sure what i can and can't say on air but like stick his fingers into her tail and like a really Mm -hmm. suggestive and 
creepy. Yeah, yeah I wasn't that sure was if cool. that was supposed to be her um, radio friendly hoo ha or not. I th- I think it was because they were they were saying like that they're like Barbie dolls, like when they're human, like they have no like parts at all, mm-hmm. like below the waist. Um, but then once they're in their tail form, they do. But it's just in a different spot. So I think they were like saying like, oh well, we can't like we can't. Um, they'll be clothed when they perform when they're in their human form, but then they'll technically be like stripping slash naked when they go into their mermaid form in the in the cup bowl thing of water mm-hmm. when they perform. They hop in there. So I think like that's the attraction is like they're mermaids and they're in their mermaid form, but also this is a strip club, so they're technically fully naked, I guess, mm-hmm. with all parts visible. Um, in their mermaid form. So I guess that's like what they were concerned about. But also, yeah, I agree that part was really kind of <laughs> was gross. Like the fact that he was like manhandling them. That's another thing. Like just speaking in terms of like the not having parts and all of that. Um, when Silver like gets her surgery and um, she like, you know, has the parts and she goes to have sex with the son um, and then he just immediately gets disgusted because he has, like, blood on his stomach. I was like, oh, you ungrateful little fart. She right. got surgery for this and for you. Right. I was just kind of blown back by the fact that they would try so soon. I yeah. Like, I, you like really she just gonna... She just tripped trying to walk, and you're going to try to do that, which is definitely harder than walking. Right. That was really weird for me. One question I did have, though, was what happened to the other woman that was doing the surgery with her? Because Silver... I think she got a tail. Yeah, Silver asks... Um, she asked that guy at the bar. She's like, hey, do you want my tail? Mm-hmm. Like, I know you want my tail. You want it? Like, I want legs. I'm going to have this part and this part, and it's going to be great, but <laughs> I know like, you want Dear a tail. God, no. And he's like, why would I want that? Gross. No thanks. And then... um. But then they apparently find a woman willing to do the surgery, mm-hmm. and she's laying there, and they connect the tail to her. So it wasn't as if, see, I thought maybe she had been dead already, and they were just giving silver. That's the what legs. I thought. And then, but she then why like would blinked? they connect? Yeah, she blinked, and but why? And why would they connect the tail to her body? Is she, she wanted the tail. And but what, like, where'd she go? Where is she? Yeah, why they the never sea, mention baby. it again? Like, like, it feels like that would be like a really interesting compelling part of the film but they mm-hmm. just gloss over it yeah well and i also wondered about like the teeth like true is is that like now she's just full-on vampire well i i wasn't sure like i i how what um because wouldn't she lose well i think wait does she lose was, it she was or just, i think the condition was just her losing her voice um like she loses her voice her but then like they make a big deal out of like you need to eat his heart and i wasn't sure if it was like oh she keeps the mermaid teeth i think i think so i think like the implication is that their vocal cords are like down in their tail somehow i don't know that's how like my scientific side thinks of it hmm. uh we've got 3 minutes final thoughts ratings on the lure i would give it an a an a plus i just no matter how many questions it raised for me, it still 
I still really enjoyed watching it. And I feel like the questions it raised, um, I would have, even if it did, I feel like I would have more questions, even if they resolved those issues. Mm -hmm. I think that there's just more and more that your mind would kind of bring you just up. Just delve because deeper. it's more of a yeah, because it's more of a fantasy film and because it's so surreal and you're trying to shove this mythical creature into like a like a semi modern day like narrative story um, and try and make it make sense. I think the details are never gonna fully get like kind of kinked out, but mm. it was it was a very good film for me. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I give it two eight foot tails and mm. I would say that I really enjoyed it and I really love seeing films on the big screen that like make me walk out having so many questions and just being like, what the heck just happened? Because I feel like so many things try to wrap it up super nicely and like that's not how life works. And so it, it's really, it's nice to see that someone's like, yeah, you have questions about my film? Cool. Have fun with that. <laughs> Uh, I think I'd have to give it a slightly lower grade. I think B to B minus. Admittedly, mm -hmm. I didn't see it on the big screen. I watched it on a laptop just because I was busy that day. Maybe if it was on a big screen, I would have liked it more. But at the end of the day, like... It's that Dolby 7.1, baby. <laughs> it it just nestled into the awkward middle for me, and I could never quite grasp onto anything that I liked for more than a few minutes, if that makes sense. Like... Overall, there were a lot of things I liked, like, right in a row, but they were all so different from each other that I, like, I don't know. It gave me sort of, like, whiplash in what my expectations were. Mm. I, I think I'd benefit from another watch, mm. for sure. All right, now we're going to move into the weather real quick on Bijou Banter, and we'll be right back in a few minutes. This is what I call three-bean weather. Chili. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm going to put that. <laughs> that's where we're going to open up uh, Bijou Banter coming back on the recorded okay. file. <laughs> uh, so welcome back to Bijou Banter. We're going to move on to our second film for the day, which is Joker, which is playing right now at Film Scene. You got to be joking. <laughs> Not as good as the three bean. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Joker is about the titular Joker character. From Batman, who you've probably seen, played by uh, Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger or a bunch of other really famous people. Um, this one is played by Joaquin Phoenix. It's outside of any DC nonsense that they're trying to do with the cinematic universe. Uh, yeah, what'd y'all think? I liked it a lot. I, I appreciated that it was, again, a film that I walked out of with a lot of questions. Um, but questions, not questions that um, made me confused about, like, what happened overall, but questions about, like, how we treat um, mentally ill people in the United States, how mm -hmm. we, like, approach stigmas, just how we treat people in general, um, and kind of just the, the science behind evil, I guess. Like, what, what causes people to become the way they are, um, and what we do to contribute to that. It was really a thought-provoking film for me, and I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, when I when I originally walked out, I didn't know what to think because it's just such a weird, like, experience that comes at you from, like, all angles. 
But I think like looking back on it, I don't know that I necessarily had fun, but I do think that it is a good film. And I, I really like support everything about it. Um, I will say that like, it can definitely be taken like multiple ways, like with what it's trying to support, depending on, I guess, how you yourself are looking at it. But I think that like for the most part, everything that it does is really finely communicated. And I give so many like claps to um, Joaquin Phoenix for his performance. Right. Because, great. oh my goodness. I like how you said it was not, um, you weren't having fun during the film. Oh no. And I completely agree with that, especially with the, just the idea of it. You, th- you, it's Joker. Like even mm-hmm. in the, past films like um in the dark knight series when heath ledger was joker like he had some one-liners like there were some funny moments um my favorite being when he dresses up as the nurse but uh in this film it didn't i never really got um a comedic a sense of comedic relief Mm -hmm. um even though he was the joker and i guess that was kind of the big thing was that no one thinks he's funny He's supposed to be a comedian, and no one thinks he's funny. People Who's make fun laughing of him now? because he's not funny. Um, exactly. No one's laughing now. Even in those moments where he's, it's supposed to be like a comedy special, There's, he's, he's really not funny. And, yeah. <laughs> and so you just kind of cringe along with everyone else, and that was just a very compelling moment to me. And even in the other moments when they tried to um, – when they were kind of showcasing the other stand-up comics, the people that had gone on just before him or um, alongside him, those jokes were like, ah! like I was like, oh my goodness. Um, yeah. I disagree that I wasn't having fun. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't think it was a funny movie. I wanted to cry like, oh, yeah. for a like, lot of it. I, was I like, haven't oh. sweat that bad in a movie theater since I saw Whiplash. Oh, it was super tense and awesome, and I loved every second of being in that movie theater. Um, Admittedly, all biases up front, I am a very big superhero and Batman nerd, so that probably contributes a lot to it. But I think one of the things this film does awesomely is, like, distancing itself pretty much all the way from all of that, except for, like, a few key moments. Mm -hmm. And, like, it feels so different than anything else. And... Oh, it's just so good. It's also my favorite kind of character study where it's a character study, but there's also a plot, so it's not just rambling. I I could go on for a long time about why I really like this Mm -hmm. movie. I really like um, just the character of the Joker itself. I feel like there's a lot you can do with it narratively because his past isn't really defined um, in any sort of, like, in any sort of big way. Um just within the DC universe. So like I feel the, like the lore can, sort of varies. Yeah, the lore varies. And so with this film, you can really kind of allow yourself to be taken into just the diegesis and just mm-hmm. like kind of allow yourself to be absorbed into it and just kind of give yourself over to the story because you don't have any preconceptions about what, what it's going to be. Um, so I, the one thing that I did have going into it um, was that I was expecting, um, I forgot her name, but the Zazie neighbor. Beats? Yeah, Zazie B- Bates, I think is the last name. Okay. Um, 
Fuzzy Bates, I thought that her, I thought that her character was gonna end up being like a Harley Quinn character, mm. and that was not the case. <laughs> um, so I thought that was very surprising and kind of also true to um, the character. It kind of it lured you in thinking that this was going to be like, oh, like this is going to be his relief. He's going to have a love interest. It's going to be, this is going to be the side that's like better for him and supportive of him. But then it turns out that he is even crazier than you thought. He has been kind of concocting these fantasies with mm-hmm. this woman who is not interested in him. Who barely knows that is, he exists. Yeah, and barely knows that he exists. She knows about his mom, I guess, but that's it. And that, that that moment was very kind of like it took me aback. I for some reason I expected it, but it, it still it was like, oh my god, when like it actually happened, and then they showed like all of these situations that she was supposedly in, and like she's not there, and I thought that was really finely crafted and also terrifying. Right, because he's just in her apartment. Also, who lives in Gotham City with a child and doesn't lock their door? Are we kidding? <laughs> like, well, I'm they sure they talk about like, it. Oh, like everyone uh Thomas Wayne needs to help us because he should see where we're living. It's awful, it's dangerous. Lock your door. But like <laughs> this is before all the super crime was happening. Like, That's true, I guess. This is all the normal bad crime. I mean, like, the main conflict of the movie is just that, or the main, like, underlying conflict and why everyone's getting so mad is because the rich people aren't paying the poor people. Mm. Shocker. And <laughs> Too real. the garbage workers got mad and they went on strike, so everything's super mm-hmm. filthy. Class warfare. So I didn't get a whole lot of, like, I saw, like, the crime as just sort of escalating as a result right. of all of that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I didn't question it when he just walked in. But, like, the moment that he sits on your his, her couch, you just sort of go, oh, she, oh, no. Because she, like, mm, that whole scene was crafted really well because, like, why wouldn't he knock or why wouldn't he announce himself or mm. why wouldn't she be, I don't even know, doing something different? I don't, it was just very, I was like, wait, what, what, what's happening? I like that. Yeah, it was a lot of, um, like, the entire movie was just a lot of um, secondhand embarrassment, but it was also just, like, that kind of thing where it's, like, don't go upstairs or whatever, but it it's, like, don't talk to this person. Right. Were you convinced by the, um, by the laughing uh, condition, I guess, that Arthur has in the movie? What do you mean by convinced? I guess some of the times I was like, he's actually laughing. Like, this is, he's, like, he's really laughing. Mm. And then at other times he, I thought he was acting as if he was laughing. And then other times, like, he was supposedly laughing because he was so anxious and nervous. There, there were a few moments, like the first moment when he hands the woman on the bus or the train or something, the card after she tells him to stop messing with her kid despite him just, like, making funny faces. That time I thought he was faking because, like, it seemed like a comedic sort of situation that he would find, like, darkly funny. But there were other moments, like, when he gets up on stage to finally do his stand-up and Zazie Bates is in the audience, supposedly, and, like, he starts laughing then. Like, it hurt 
like a lot because like I wanted him to do well there. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I I was convinced for parts of it, but I think them saying like, "What do you think?" when the cops question him about it, I thought that was like a really interesting way to put that whole thing into question. See, I I considered it the opposite. Like when he's crying, laughing on the bus, I was like, "Oh, this part is real." But when he was like laughing during his um like his comedy routine, I thought that that was just like him laughing because he truly thought that he was that funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I had it opposite, but I still, for most of the film, I, I believed that it was to a great extent real. Okay. There were moments when I, that made me think it wasn't. Um, like there was one time in the clown office where the, these the people are all making, yeah. Um, their kind of locker room, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and they're all making fun of, um, the small person in the, in the office. And then they, he kind of starts laughing really hard. And I was like, what is he doing? This he's, he's just feeding into this and he's being so rude. But then he kind of, he leaves and walks out of the, out into the hallway and he gets halfway down the hallway and then he just immediately stops laughing. And so that part really confused me because at first I was like, oh, he's, making he's joining in he's making fun maybe he's just doing it to fit in and then when he immediately stopped i was like is he making a statement that this really isn't that funny like you should like no one should be laughing at this or i was wondering like was he laughing because he was so nervous um by the mistreatment of his friend and then once he was out of the area he was able to stop laughing see i viewed it as sort of a performative thing where he he like started to sort of actually laugh but then as he like exited the situation he was like all right i'm done like this act is over like Mm -hmm. i need to focus on the next thing and so his brain just sort of switched gears okay yeah and like it's clear later on in the film that he does respect the little person yeah well he doesn't murder him (laughs) yeah and he opens the door for him oh that i was like oh my goodness (laughs) that's a thing that i think this film did really really well because i went in and i was like are they gonna make me like sympathize with the joker for the whole movie even when he like kills a bunch of people because that seems really bad but like you start out sympathizing with him and as it goes along like you still like they still paint him as a human but not like a Mm -hmm. good person yeah so he still like kills people but you want him to get better you don't want him to like you don't want him to keep killing people and you don't want him to just die but you want him to or at least I wanted him to get better and stop. And they kept doing it. And like when he kills the one clown and lets the other, the little person go, I thought that was really good because that's like where he definitely crossed the line for me. Like he killed the three kids on the subway and that was bad, but he was also doing that sort of in self-defense except towards the end. I feel like it was also, um, it was also kind of in not revenge, that's in defense of the woman that was on the train mm. because they were harassing her and kind of getting in her face. And then he starts laughing almost as a diversion, either as a diversion or because he's so uncomfortable in that situation as well. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of shift their attention to him and start picking on him. Um, so I, w- I thought that was kind of why he killed yeah, the and first then- two. Um, because he was so upset with what they were doing and also because they started hurting him. But then the last one, that was, I think, well, when I his... Well, I felt like 
the third switched. one was almost like defense of like his mother almost like he didn't uh-huh. want that third person to escape and like call attention to him and then like mess up his mother's life kind of right. so that that's how i viewed that one and I also think that that moment is really awesome because in that split second, you kind like when he shoots the third person, you see just a glimmer of enjoyment a little bit on his face, especially when he goes into the bathroom and like he starts dancing. Like mm-hmm. I thought that whole thing worked really well. All right, we're going to take a quick break f- for a grant spot, and then we'll be right back with more Joker on Bijou Banter. Hello, and welcome back to Bijou Banter. We are still talking about The Joker, which is playing at Film Scene at least through the end of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking about um, the, the, the killing of the three kids. I remembered. I got the train of thought back. <laughs> you know, the whole, the whole inciting incident? That? <laughs> right. And I guess we can sit around and speculate all day, but the character explains it fully for the audience mm. um the audience in, in on the show in the movie and the the um the audience beyond the fourth wall yeah to i love that setting by the way just how he it's like you're watching the show mm-hmm. when he's on like the tonight show with robert yeah. De Niro. yeah i yeah. love on that because um, you're kind of there with the audience seeing all of this um and I loved how it was set up, but then in that scene, he explains why he's killed these three men. And um, the Robert De Niro character is like, you you really want to hate him in that scene because he's like not letting him speak and like he's acting so rudely and he had been making fun of him before. And um, the Joker says all of this um, in that scene too. And so there's another moment where it's like, okay, like this is really humanizing for him, but like you still got to keep in mind that he did murder those three people. Yeah. Plus another person that they haven't found out about yet. Plus the cop. Yes, plus mm. the cop. I mean, indirectly. Well, yeah, but he, he let it happen and he instigated it. Yeah. And I love that scene a lot because you get like a little bit of humanity from Robert De Niro's character too because he's like trying to like get this out there like into the world. Like this yeah. is what happened. We need to like make sure people know. But at the same time, you get this sort of um as he's he's the first person to really take um arthur fleck the like secret identity of the joker seriously Mm -hmm. like he's not like joking around with him anymore he's not like chasing after him just to arrest like he's Mm -hmm. talking with him for the first time that anybody really has in the movie and then spoiler alert the joker shoots him (laughs) Right. Like on camera. And I also really like that scene because the Joker is like a literary character. As much as people may disagree or agree that he is or not, he constantly like uses television to sort of exploit like his schemes. Yeah, definitely. That's why I love that scene where it kind of um it showed all the different television mm-hmm. screens yeah. and the window and like the shop window and all the different stories you're playing. That was so like reminiscent of like older Batman movies and, and comics and shows they do that all the time yeah and that that whole scene was awesome and then like there was a little bit of comic levity i found in that scene just like at the end when they've panned back and the news anchor says the suspect is now in custody one of my friends turned to me and said suspect he killed him on live television right right that was ridiculous i loved 
the ending scene where the the workers and just the 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 rebels and all these people that are riding in the streets mm-hmm. um they save him they get him out of the car and kind of prop him up on the hood of it and then he comes he he comes back to life or just he back to consciousness like, and yeah. he um and then he stands up and he realizes this is all for him and he takes his the blood that's in his mouth and then he remakes his smile on his face yeah and then that he turns so around striking. and everyone just starts like cheering even more for him right and like he dances for the audience that he's always wanted to have yeah mm-hmm. how um how old do we think he is he's like 40 i was going to say okay. like 43 i am so conf- that's one thing that i just couldn't get behind in this movie was how old he was and how young Bruce Wayne was. Because if we're gonna have him be the Joker and like start on this journey with as the conference of crime, like I really expected him to be a lot younger than 40. Um, because Thomas Wayne was way older than, than I had in mind. And, um, and Bruce was a lot younger I mean, I but it makes thought. sense with like the, like Bruce's parents dying and all of that. Yeah, I guess I just logistically, I know this is like doesn't really matter, but like if he's gonna grow up and become Batman, like he's that's gonna be. He, when does the he become gonna be Batman? Like, what sixty? Like he, how old is he? He goes off, to, according to the Dark Knight universe, which is yeah. a whole other universe, which we can take with a grain of salt, basically. Um, he goes off to become Batman. After coming home on vacation from like the middle of college, and he tries to kill Joe Chill, who killed his parents in that universe, and then he goes off to be Batman. So he's like 20, 21? Yeah. Okay. Um, I do think, though, there are two like prevailing theories that at least me and my friends have about that, because it does like influence the film in a certain way, which is one, in the comics, there are like three Jokers, and they all sort of like inspired each other, which I don't like the fact that there's three, but like this joker just inspired the later joker that actually fights batman and also like the joker especially in the comics is more of an intellectual enemy of batman and not physically because whenever they go toe-to-toe like except for like two examples they he always gets his butt whooped really yeah. quickly but like his but mind, he has all the goons yeah so i think i think that works kind okay. of but i love how like little there was a batman in this because obviously you get like bruce wayne's parents dying and you get what i thought was an awesome moment of like him looking at bruce while he's in the playground like As over the brother. fence mm-hmm. oh that was awesome and like i just really liked that but it all tied into joker's story so even if the world completely forgot about batman like i feel like it would still work in a really peculiar and interesting way that i don't that I feel like is sort of unique to this villain. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. Do you believe that Bruce and the Joker are brothers? The first time they brought that up, I was very against it. And then it right. got... As the film went on, I was like, actually, that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, I'll play with it. And then they shot it down. And I thought, I don't think they are because like he saw the file given to him by... The guy oh, from Atlanta. 
um yeah given with strong quotation <laughs> yeah. marks but yeah i i don't think they're brothers i thought it would have been an interesting dynamic but they're not and i'm thankful that they're not <laughs> i did you did you see um did you see it coming the moment where he killed his mother the joker no but i kind of did yeah. because she was so secretive and unsupportive of him um less so with the being the keeping of the secrets um but he he definitely displayed a lot of aggression towards her she had to hide herself in the bathroom when she found out um, yeah. through the letter and she was like i'm not coming out until you're not angry anymore and he, he switches walks away for like so a fast second. yeah he switches so fast and he's like i'm not angry come out and i was like uh creepy murder like yeah murder um but and he was serious in that moment, but just the fact that he could switch his personality so quickly like that alarmed me. Um, so I was like, when's it going to switch back? When's the, when's yeah. the bounce back going to happen? When and also just... in the moment where he was giving her a sponge bath. Oh, that was real creepy. He, um, she was like, I don't know why you want to be a comedian. Don't you have to be funny? That was that, the I funniest was like, joke in the whole I movie. I was like... I held my breath. I was like, oh my goodness. She just burned him so hard. And he just says nothing. And I was like, why is he saying nothing? I mean, it that was definitely cause for some reaction of some sort. And th the scene just switches. I was like, oh, that's going to come back and rear its head. I'm like, I, I think in the end, she was almost like the ultimate betrayal and just like all of that. And so to me it made sense that he would like kill her mm -hmm. after all of that like i i i'm not saying like oh it makes sense i would kill my mom if that happened but like mm -hmm. in the realm of the story and like what i was expecting to happen that was there i in retrospect i maybe should have seen it coming but for a lot of the movie i felt like there was a love between the joker and his mother like even if like she betrayed him at certain moments it like he still loved her no but, like, once he started suffocating her with a pillow, I mean, you could also argue that he didn't kill her because, like, no nurse or anything ran in. And at that point, he's been off his meds for long enough that he could just have metaphorically killed her off in his mind. But, um, like, she was what was holding him back in his mind from his comedy career because she didn't think he was funny. Right. Which, man, that was a good joke when it happened. <laughs> All right, we've got a few minutes left. Any final thoughts, ratings for Joker? I definitely think this movie warrants a second watch, mm. um, maybe a third. Uh, I just want to get more out of it, pick up more on things that I might have missed, like cues of who he's going to kill, um, where his decisions are going to kind of lead to, um, and decide more about the, the sibling issue and the parent issue. Um, but overall, I definitely give it like an A, A minus. It was, it was a great film. I loved how it was shot. The acting was superb. Um, I also just love Francis Conroy. <laughs> Conrad, Conroy, I think, as the mom. I think Conroy. Conroy, great. Wonderful. Great. <laughs> yeah, I love that scene where he shoots the whole bullet hole in the wall, <laughs> oh and she's God. like, "What was that?" He's like, "I'm watching a scary movie." She's like, "Turn it down." <laughs> it was so. Just, I don't know, true to like a having an older parent, I guess. True, true <laughs> Not that to I've the... ever shot a, shot a gun in a, in a living room before, but 
Um, Truly the emotions of living with your parents. Yes, exactly. What did you just do? Uh, uh, nothing. <laughs> kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. I would say that I give this three bits out of one sketch. Um, first off, I really want to say that um, my favorite comedian ever was in this film. His name is Gary Goldman. And he was one of those that came on before Joker did. And I don't know. I'm just very happy to see that. I'm very mm. jazzed about that. Um, and I don't know. I guess I, I do think that this warrants a rewatch. And I'm just really, really interested in if they're going to pursue this storyline further. Um, and I guess I think this film has a lot of things that it has to say and it does say and I can't wait to like read all of the articles that I can about like whether it's successful in that I guess yeah would you give it for a letter grade I'm not doing letter grades okay. I'm sorry I, I shirk give... your system sir <laughs> um I would give it I would have given it a 105%, but the stairs scene disappointed me because I thought the score in the trailer was really good, but the score they used in the movie didn't work at all. And and Mm. it's also literally by a pedophile. Yeah. That too. too. (laughs) Um, So 100%, not 105%. I really loved it. I thought it was great. It was not nearly as tone deaf as I thought it was going to be, Mm. so I was pleasantly surprised with all of that. Um, Yeah. So if you want to, I highly recommend going to see Joker. You will probably see me in 95% of the showings that are happening. Um, And then with our last minute, there are some upcoming events from Bijou. We've got Night of the Hunter Mm -hmm. uh, this Saturday at 10 p.m. in the big theater at the Chauncey. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's our first film at the big theater in the Chauncey, so that's great. Big Chunky. This Thursday, not Thursday, this Tuesday is Punk the Capital at 7 p.m. for Film Forum, not 6 p.m., 7, with a punk show at Gabe's afterwards and the drummer of Minor Threat, the punk band, there to talk about the film. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you want to, feel free to go out to those. As well as the director. Yes, the director of the film. Thank you. I would have forgotten about that. All right. I've been Calvin. I'm Philip. Occasionally, I will be Emily Stagman. And this has been Bijou Banter. Enjoy the show.